Hello, and welcome to the Black Shoe Basic Podcast. Today is August 15th. We are just a couple of weeks from Penn State kicking off against Idaho. As always, I'm your host, Patrick Kerbler. And on the other end, as always, Mr. Alex Robinson. Abraham, my friend, how are you doing? I'm all right, Pat. I just got home from work, and the Yankees have already won today. So I'm feeling good. Yes, they they usually win from what from what I see. Um, yeah, we're play, we were playing Baltimore today. So, I mean... It wasn't really a whole thing, but keep in mind last time we recorded, you said that the Yankees were now in a rebuilding year and now they're what, like 18 games up on the Red Sox something like that. So not bad for a rebuilding year. Yeah, we're doing pretty good and we still have an excuse if something happens. But anyways, yeah, I was going to say anyway, so let's get into today's episode. So the backstory for this is the last two years I've. Prior to preseason camp, before the season, I predicted five things I know I know about Penn State football. And in 2017 and 2018, I got all five incorrect, which I'm going to read them now because I kind of think it's funny. So in 2017, I said Sharif Miller and Manny Bowen will both be all Big Ten players. That was wrong. Lamont Wade will pick off four passes, leading the team in interceptions. That was wrong. Ryan Bates and Connor McGovern will both be first team all Big Ten. That was wrong. Saquon Barkley will run for 300-plus yards in two games. That was wrong. He ran for 300-plus yards in no games. And then I said part two was that Penn State would win the Big Ten Championship. That was also wrong. And then last year, I said Tariq Castro-Fields will make first-team all Big Ten. Wrong. Jan Johnson will lead the team in tackles. Wrong. Justin Shorter will have 40-plus receptions. Barely wrong. You're only <laughs> a little Ham- off there. <laughs> KJ Hamler will have two punt returns for touchdowns. That was wrong. And Penn State won't make a field goal beyond 40 yards. That was also wrong. In my opinion, though, those are, were that all, like, bold of predictions. Like, I, I honestly don't regret any of them. Thoughts on, on any of those predictions? No, it's not like you said that Penn State was going to go undefeated and win every game by 40 points. Like, they were all... They were, they were bold, but they were reasonable. They were realistic. So it's it's impressive that you went over 10. Yeah, and as I said on Twitter, uh, ask any mathematician. Statistically speaking, going 0-10 is just as impressive as 10-0. So we will be doing this again, and that's what this podcast will be about. I'll be giving five things I know I know about Penn State football, and Alex will be giving five things he knows he knows he knows about Penn State football. I guess it doesn't it doesn't really sound as grammatically good when I say he. But regardless, we're both going to give five predictions that we feel comfortable with about Penn State football. They're not really bold or hot take predictions so much as they're just like not obvious things. Like you can't predict, uh, I don't know, Penn State will beat Rutgers. Like that's that's not that's that's not what we're doing. It's kind of like interesting things that maybe others will agree with, maybe others will disagree with, but things that we feel pretty confident in. So Alex, this is going to be your first year doing it. We'll see if I can go to 0-15. I'm excited about that. We'll see if you can go 0-5. I think it'd be pretty cool if we as a podcast go 0-10 for our predictions. So if you're ready to start, you can give me the first thing you know you know about Penn State football in 2019. The first thing that I know I know 
for Penn State in 2019, it's it's pretty simple. Penn State will be undefeated at home. Overall, Penn State has a relatively simple home schedule. They have Idaho, Buffalo, Pitt, Purdue, Michigan, Indiana, and Rutgers. And really, there's no excuse to not win at the very minimum five games there. I think Penn State should be Purdue, and I think they have a good chance of beating Michigan. So I don't know if this is necessarily going out on a limb, but given that Michigan is a top 10 team right now, I guess technically it would be an upset. So mm-hmm. Penn State, undefeated at home, 7-0 in Happy Valley. We're going to feel good about it. I like that. Like you said, it's not the most daunting schedule, but Michigan, I imagine, would be favorites. Uh, definitely right now and probably... Well, we'll see what happens with Michigan in their first, what, six or seven games before they come to Beaver Stadium. But in all likelihood, it, it might be a toss-up game of sorts. And like you said, Purdue's interesting. I'm not really sure what to think of Purdue this year. I also can't watch that game, which maybe for everybody else that doesn't mean anything. But for me, that means Penn State is much more likely to lose that game. So not a not a bad first prediction. A little on the safe side, but I have a couple safe picks as well. So that I wanted comes to start. territory. I wanted to start safe for my first one, you know? Yeah, I get that. Definitely. All right. We'll jump into my first prediction. The first thing I know, I know, I know, I know about Penn state football in 2019 is that CJ Thorpe will get thrown out of the game or is going to be the reason that somebody on the opposite team gets thrown out of the game. So the genesis of this means that CJ Thorpe just talks a ton of trash all the time. There was a practice last year, and the report coming out was that CJ had to do up-downs or push-ups all by himself just because he was constantly talking trash to the other team. And just last week, during the media availability, which is when the Penn State coaches make sure to tell players to be on their best behavior, CJ Thorpe got into a little scuffle with one Robert Windsor. So so the fact that he's getting in scuffles while media is there, I can only imagine what he's doing when the media is not there. And as we know from last year, CJ Thorpe really likes to finish tackles. There's a viral video of sorts of him finishing a tackle against Pitt uh, towards the end of the game when Penn State was already at 56, 51 to 6. There's another one of him finishing just just a mean, mean tackle or mean, mean block against uh, Illinois. So now he's back on the offensive line. I'm really excited to, to see him muddy it up in the trenches. And, and I feel like he's going to be somebody that just gets in the head of the other team. You know, just again, just constantly talking constantly finishing his blocks all the way up until the uh the whistle so it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting time for for cj thorpe in 2019 i like that i kind of hope that you're wrong um at least from the standpoint of him getting thrown out because you don't want to see any of penn state's guys get thrown out but it'd be nice if we could get somebody else thrown out i agree uh i think he had a personal foul last year against michigan state but i think it was like a helmet to helmet type thing or i i'm not actually sure i don't i don't quite recall but that one, I I don't know how confident I feel in that one. That one's a little bit out there, but it with CJ Thorpe, it, it you feel a little bit more confident. So, what's your what's your second thing? You know, you know about Penn State football in 2019. My second thing, I think, is a little more of a reach, but definitely more of a realistic goal, kind of along the first one. I have at least four Penn State players will make the All Big Ten first team. And this one could go a couple different ways, but I had four players that I think have the best chance. KJ Hamler, Micah Parsons, Gross Matos, and probably Pat Firemuth. So it wouldn't surprise me if those were the four, but 
but I could see, you know, Blake Gilligan, if he had a good year, a nice bounce back year in his senior year, I could see him making the all Big Ten first team. Maybe Jake Pinnegar, my boy, who I've decided is now my boy. Um, we're, <laughs> Breaking we news. Are, we are a big time Jake Pinnegar podcast now, as we will see later. A little foreshadowing. Maybe him. I don't think that Sean Clifford in his first year. I mean, I would like to see it, obviously. I don't think he has like the best chance out of anybody, but I could see at least four guys having a good enough year to be on the all Big Ten first team. Off the top of your head, not to put you on the spot because I don't know either, but do you know how many made first team last year from Penn State? If anybody? None. None. Wow. Uh, okay. Miles, Miles Sanders and Trace McStorley made second team. Okay, yeah. So that's that's good prediction. I'm going to one-up you, though, and this actually goes well into the second thing I know about. I know I know about Penn State football in 2019, and that is that Will Fries makes first team all Big Ten. You had him as one of your top ten players heading into the season. I have him as my breakout player this year. He's now practicing exclusively at offensive tackle, I believe, if you remember in the past, against Georgia State in 2017. He started at guard, so he's kind of been bouncing in and out at guard and tackle, mostly tackle, but has been getting some reps at guard, too. Now he's exclusively at offensive tackle, and I believe right tackle exclusively, too. He might, he might if Rashid Walker goes down, maybe you toss Will over there for you know, however long Rashid is out, but... For the most part, he is a right tackle, and I think that will definitely aid to his benefit and his um, development this year. He is going to his fourth season, which I'm just arbitrarily saying is that's the year when offensive linemen make a big jump. The only <laughs> example I have of this is Brendan, Brendan Mann looked really, really good in 2016 after struggling in 2014 and 2015. So, yeah, I'm looking for Will Fries to have a Brandon Mann-esque year, and I th- and I if you guys remember Brandon Mann went down with a I think it was a blood clot I'm not sure if they ever actually came out and said officially what happened uh after the Iowa game but he was playing so so well that season it was a big reason why why Penn State's offensive line was granted that offensive line you know probably was not a top three unit of the Big Ten either but why from 2015 to 2016 the offensive line was leaps and bounds better and Brandon Mann was a big reason why his development so I think we're going to see something like that again this year with with Will Fries. Hard worker, big kid. I personally think that he must have been battling some type of injury last year because he just, just didn't move as well as he did. So I think we're going to get back to seeing the old Will Fries and and maybe even, a, well, not maybe, but definitely a better version of him. So yeah, first team all Big Ten for Will Fries. How do you feel about that? I like it. If you're right, then first off, that helps my prediction. But also that means that, like you said, he's going to have a big bounce back year. He's hopefully going to play well. And... You know, like, it's definitely hard to gain consistency bouncing around position to position. And I think we've seen that kind of develop on the field the last couple of years. So hopefully he stays at one position, gets the hang of things, and he's good to go. Definitely. What is your third thing you know you know about Penn State football in 2019? The third thing I know I know is that Sean Clifford is going to be a breakout star. And he will set the Penn State single-game passing yards record. In 2019. That's hack, right, against UCF in Ireland? It's like 473? 454. Hack in in Ireland. Yep. Which, by the way, do you remember the 2014 season, which is a really weird time because Penn State gets off to that 4-0 start? And granted, it was not. It was against like a 6-6 UCF team and a Rutgers team that actually, I think, went like 8-4 that year. They actually weren't dreadful because that was their first year in the Big Ten. But hack threw for like... 
his average through those first four games, and granted, it got helped out by a 400 and what'd you say, 454 yards, right? Right. A 454 yard performance, but he was averaging like over 300 passing yards per game. It was like, at, I, I think it was after the Rutgers game or UMass game. I can't remember what the fourth game of the year was, but he had already thrown for over like 1,200 passing yards in the season, which. Hey, you know, going from O'Brien to Franklin, I don't think anybody would have thought that Hack would have been airing it out and having those types of numbers. And then, as we know, it all came crumbling to a fault very, very quickly after that. But hey, it was a really fun uh, four games. So no, absolutely. And I think this year it wouldn't surprise me if he did it in the non-conference. I was going to say, what game are you thinking that he does this in? Any uh, any that jump out to you? There are only a couple games right now. I'm basing everything on last year's defense, so. There's obviously going to be some change. Some teams are going to be better and worse. But right now, Penn State only plays four teams in the top 50 of passing S&P Plus defensively. And that's a four-game stretch of Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, and Minnesota. That's eight other games that I think he has a chance to do it. I could see it happening against Rutgers. Well, probably not Rutgers because they'll probably run the ball for 454 yards against Rutgers. But yes, I could see him kind of airing it out in the first couple games, trying to let Sean Clifford get a get his feet under him, you know, get some timing with his wide receivers and, you know, against Idaho or Buffalo. I could see him having a big game against Purdue, somebody that can probably score a lot and make, like keep things interesting against Penn State, and Penn State's going to have to throw a lot. I don't know. I was going to say, oh, sorry, not to cut you off, but I was going to say, it feels like one of the 454 yards is a very, very big number. So it's almost one of those that can't necessarily come in a blowout. Unless it's just like, you know, he has two or three 95 yard touchdowns like he did last year. Uh, but you kind of need like, like you said, like you need a Purdue to kind of play the game with where they keep it close. So that Penn state needs to continue to play Clifford. Cause for example, against like an Idaho, maybe Penn state does keep, keep Clifford in into the fourth quarter just cause they want to get him those reps. But, you could also see him getting pulled after yeah. one drive in the third quarter. Yeah, you would also kind of hope that it's like, what, 56 to 7 in the middle of the third, and they're just like, you know what, there's not all that much is going to be gained from from it at this time, and they want to bring him like Will Levis. So, yeah, that's uh, I like that one a lot. I, I didn't think anything like that. I was trying to incorporate Sean Clifford somewhere into mine, but it was kind of tough, so... That's that's a that's a nice prediction. Thank you. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> well, let's let's maybe maybe I'll be nicer towards the end of the podcast as well. Anyway, getting back to my side of the predictions, the third thing I know I know about Penn State football in 2019 is that Penn State's defense accounts for over 50 sacks this year. Alex, in the last 10 seasons, can you name? You, by the way, you should have like I would have no idea what this answer is. So if it's way off, don't worry about it. The last ten seasons, how many teams have accounted for over fifty sacks in all of college football, or just yeah, Penn State? In all, Penn State has never done it. If from what I recall, Jesus, so it's really? all college football. Then I'm gonna say four teams in the last ten years. I have no idea. I'm just throwing it's, that out there. Yeah, I was. It's it's twelve. It's actually that's not that bad of a guess. I probably would have guessed like six or seven i think there. i can't remember what season it was but there was one season where ran, it, usually it's like one or two per year some years are zero but there was i think it was like 2013 and 2014 there was like five that all had over 50 sacks so it kind of skews the numbers but yeah only 12 times last 10 seasons 
has a team accounted for more than 50 sacks on the year. Penn State actually came really, really close last year. They had 47 sacks. And, you know, if they would have made the Big Ten Championship and then the playoff, they definitely would have passed it. But that is besides the point. Um, my main reason for this is that, so for those I don't know, I went up to Media Day and for the first time we were able to watch an entire practice. Usually what happens at Media Day is, you know, you go up for Media Day, you do all your interviews, they give you lunch, and then after lunch, you get to see like the first anywhere from 15 to 25. It's, I think it's usually 25 minutes for, for at least the Media Day portion. The first 25 minutes of practice, which is, what, 10 minutes of stretching and then about 15 minutes of a whole lot of nothing. So for right. this year, they allowed us all two hours of practice, which was really, really cool. I ended up leaving 15 minutes early just because I was a sweaty, sweaty mess. And I felt like I already had like 2,000 words-ish that I knew I could write about anyway. So I felt comfortable with that. But regardless, for a major portion of the practice, I was watching the defensive line, mostly because Sean Spencer, defensive line coach, is just hugely entertaining. And I would love to just watch him coach defensive line all the time. Just from like, he clearly knows what he's doing, but he also has fun with his players. Regardless, Sean Spencer and his antics aside, it's just a defensive end. It's just such a talented unit. Itor Grismanos, Shaka Tony, Shane Simmons was the big guy that jumped out to me. That dude must have lived in the weight room this summer. He was super thick. Like, you want to talk about, I'm not saying it's Saquon Barkley thighs, but Shane Simmons' thighs are just massive. Uh, Daniel Joseph, who I feel like doesn't get talked about enough. If he's your fourth defensive end, you feel really comfortable with that. Richard freshman Jason Oway. Um, Nick Tarbert term wasn't there, but I think he's okay. And as we saw last year, he played in the first couple of games, so they liked him last year. And I think he's going to be someone that can provide depth this year. Even true freshman Dietz of Isaac looked really, really good. So this is a defensive end unit that has the top end talent in, you know, an Etor Grosmanos and a guy like Shaka Tony who can just flat out get after the quarterback. But it's really the fact that they're so deep. Like I legit think that they could go to that that third team unit of you know Jason Owen, Nick Tarburton, and feel pretty good about themselves against any and all competition. So the fact that they're going to be able to keep these guys more rested than last year, keep those legs fresh, I really, really like the defensive end unit. And I like defensive tackle as well. I think linebacker also helps in this case of you know getting over those 50 sacks just because there's a little guy named Micah Parsons. I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of him. Played sparingly last year. He's a true sophomore at linebacker. linebacker. And he's perhaps, I don't want to say the best pass rusher on the team because that's very lofty goals for a guy at linebacker, but Michael Parsons is going to be special as well. And it's going to help those sack numbers. I'd be surprised if he has under five sacks this year. So yeah, I feel really, really good about Penn State's front seven. And I think Brent probably can get a little experimental with them and, you know, blitzing if they need to. But to be honest, to get after a quarterback, I don't even think they need to blitz. So yeah, I got over 50 sacks for that unit. I'm really, really excited to, to, to watch them this year. I like that pick a lot. I think anytime you can bet on Coach Spencer, I think that's a safe bet. I think he's probably the most reliable coach to bet on if I had to bet on one. So I like it. Yeah, and just a big picture here. I mean, Penn State had Larry Johnson, senior as defensive line coach for so many years, and when... You know, when Bill O'Brien came in, he kept Larry Johnson senior. And then when James Franklin came in, he brought in his own defensive line coach, obviously Sean Spencer. And I don't think that there could have been, you know, Larry Johnson's great. And obviously, I mean, you look at Ohio state and they always have great defensive lines too, but Sean Spencer's, I mean, he's, he's right there. And it's a credit to him that there have not been as many calls for, you know, 
why James Franklin didn't keep Larry Johnson around and that type of thing. Like we saw Bill O'Brien and the linebacker coach Vander Linden. You haven't really heard that with, with James Franklin and Sean Spencer, just because Sean Spencer has more than permanent worth and really, really entertaining guy. By the way, do you see that um, HBO might be doing a hard knocks type series during the season with Penn state? Do you see that report? Yeah, I saw that. Is that officially like a thing? The headlines that I saw and then the, you know, descriptions of the headlines were kind of confusing to me. So I just wanted, I, I wasn't sure what was going on. I was going to say it was really weirdly worded. Even the, like the original report was like HBO was looking into doing a hard knocks type series. And then it listed, it was like Penn state, Alabama, Arizona state. And I can't think of the other school, but I don't know if they were saying that they're going to do all four of them and just like have bits and pieces of each, or if they're just going to end up choosing one of them. So I wasn't quite sure. Really surprised to see Alabama on that list, because if you know anything about hard knocks in the NFL, none of the NFL teams and organizations like want it at all to the point where the NFL had to put in like rules on to like, if you make the playoffs, like you don't have to do hard knocks and it's like things like that. And you don't, you're not allowed to get hard knocks like in back-to-back years. Cause like teams and organizations just absolutely hate it. So the fact that Nick Saban was is apparently pretty welcoming of potentially having a hard knocks was interesting to me. And I don't know, not that James Franklin is bar like wants to keep everything in house, but I don't know. I feel like, I mean, it would have to be a different type of thing than the NFL hard knocks were. I don't know. It's a little, I don't say risque, but just, I, I don't know if you want to be showing college kids in potentially negative lights, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I feel you. I feel like the way, I read it. I don't know if this is necessarily accurate or not, but the way I read it, it almost seemed more of like a Big Ten journey style, like where they would have 10 minutes on each team every week type thing. I don't know if I'm reading that correctly or not, but yeah, I don't think there's a whole ton of information on it regardless. I mean, I I, I still think it'd be cool to see. Do you remember when I think it was O'Brien's second year ESPN kind of did like a I think it was only like a one uh, or a two hour type thing on ESPN about about Penn State and it was kind of hard knocks ish, but it was. Yeah, wasn't that was as, great. Like, I love that. Yeah. No, it'd be cool. It'd be cool to uh to see. I, I would almost rather it not be in season. I must rather it be preseason. Because I feel like even from Penn State's perspective, they'd be a little bit more open in the preseason, whereas it like in season. I don't know. It would it would depend on how the season goes, but regardless, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. But what we're at number four for you, correct? Yes. Number four. Right. Give us number the fourth, four. The fourth thing I know I know is that Penn State will obviously be better with drops this year, and they will show that their leading wide receiver will not drop more than four passes. And I say four passes because last year, DeAndre Tompkins led the team with eight passes. So I think they're going to cut that in half. If you would have told me that DeAndre Tompkins only dropped eight passes, and I understand that those are sometimes, like, I don't know what really constitutes as a drop or not. Like, the whole idea of if a wide receiver gets his hands on it, it's a drop. I don't know if that's necessarily always true, but... Man, it felt like it definitely seemed like more than eight, but it, I guess uh, like the stats that I found and everything kind of like bleeds together. It said eight drops on 38 catchable targets. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so you're saying so, that Penn State's leading whoever receiver has the most drops. They will not have more than four drops. I don't think. Any, oh, OK. I don't think anybody will have more than four drops this year. I think between KJ Hamler whipping them into shape. He's come out multiple times this offseason saying that they're just changing what they're doing. They're fo- more focused. They are. They know that last year was not acceptable in any way. 
I think with a new wide receivers coach, given new energy in the room. And I think honestly, with Brandon Polk leaving, Jawan Johnson leaving, and DeAndre Tompkins leaving, who were the three leading wide receivers in drops last year for Penn State, they had 20, according to the statistics, at least 20 drops last year between the three of them. I think Penn State's drops will be cut in half. And I'm going to say no one on the team will have more than four drops. I like that. It's, it's, I mean, I certainly, that's one of those, it's like, if I could have any of these be correct, it would definitely be that one just because last year was just painful. It was just painful. And just for all parties involved. And I know you're not a, the biggest, you're not a Ricky Ryder like I am, but like, it just would be nice even for me who, yeah, I have a question about Ricky Ronnie too. It makes his job a lot easier if the wide receivers do what they're supposed to do. And it gives everybody just a better idea. Like, it, there's no blaming anything else. Where Last year, like, and again, I don't think I would not give Ricky an A for last year. There's obviously things that he struggled with, but it is just <laughs> so. Like, if you go back and rewatch games, which I've been doing the past couple days and weeks just because I've been getting that college football itch, which I think this is like the latest I've ever. Like the itch is finally coming to me. Usually, I'm more like a more like a mid July guy. This year, I'm more mid August, but which actually probably is better for me. But I've been rewatching games, and it's just oh my gosh, it's so many drops, and it's it's worse every time you watch. So, uh, like what you said about Gerard Park- Parker, from what everybody's saying, it seems like it's a great hire. We will we will see though. Apparently, I I didn't hear this, but apparently he won't even say the word drop. It's not even in his vocabulary. He hasn't mentioned he, like he just does flat out does not say the word drop. I like that. And a lot. I think yeah, and I think that like leads to uh, we've as we had so many drop conversations last year. But it's one of those things of like even for a wide receivers coach, there's nothing that you can coach up onto how to catch football. Like you're a Division One wide receiver, and in like Jawan Johnson, DeAndre Tompkins, and those guys' case, like you have caught in the past. Like this was not an issue in in 2017. So. It's it's all mental and it's a mentality thing and I think what Parker's bringing in is 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 that mentality. So definitely hopeful that 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 ends up being correct. I hope uh, I said at the beginning of the podcast that I hope we as a podcast kind of go zero and ten and let's go one and nine. I definitely want that one to be correct. So I appreciate that. I'm I'm glad that you broke your your what what you wanted with that was another nice thing that. I said about you too. So yeah, uh, you you make me feel good, Pat. Thanks. All right, number four for me. This one, probably a little more obscure, and I almost went with... I'll give you a bonus one. This one was almost Micah Parsons will score two touchdowns, but I think I'm going to save that one for for next year because I have a feeling that next year they might break out like a Micah Parsons wildcat type thing on the goal line, which really, really excites me, but we'll save that one for next year. Number four for me this year is that Damian Barber leads the defensive tackles in sacks this year. So just to run through what the Penn State defensive tackles have done under James Franklin as far as sack totals, in 2014, Anthony Zettel had eight. In 2015, Austin Johnson had six and a half. Kevin Givens had four and a half in 2016, or Keith Givens, as Chris Fowler continually called him throughout the year. Curtis Cawthorn had three and a half in 2017. And then Robert Windsor last year had seven and a half in 2018. So kind of all over the place. And my thing with Damian Barber this year is that first and foremost, he came in as a defensive end, has done a really, really good job of bulking up and 
again, to go back to what I saw at practice, he was one of those guys where he, he was number 90. And when I saw number 90, I had to like do a double take and kind of thing. I was like, hold on, who's number 90 again? Just because it, it legit looked like a defensive tackle, whereas in the past, number 90 had looked like a defensive end. And it was it was Damian Barber. So that's a really, really good sign as a redshirt sophomore that he now looks the part of, you know, a, a division one defensive tackle i would guess he's i'm not sure where he's listed at. he's probably listed like 287 or so but he definitely he fits in with the rest of the group which is which is a really really good sign super athletic kid is more natural of like a three tech pass rushing defensive tackle which penn state kind of doesn't have robert windsor has slimmed down and you're gonna see him play the three tech a bit and again he had seven and a half sacks last year so he can definitely get after the quarterback but even windsor is more of a one tech musfer is more of a one tech antonio Shellen's more of a one tech so I think Barber ha- can play a really, really critical role on the team. And from, I believe it was last media availability, Franklin, I don't know if he was asked about Barber or somehow he, he mentioned Damian Barber. And while saying that, he said they feel really good about their their top four defensive tackles. So Damian Barber's in there, which means that he, I wouldn't say passed Fred Hanser, just because if you're asking Fred Hanser and Damian Barber do the same things, it kind of doesn't make sense. But just really, really excited about about. Barber, he's you know six three, in the two ninety area, really athletic kid. Like I said, he was a defensive tackle. I believe when he committed to Penn State, which was many many moons ago, he was two hundred twenty pound defensive end. So has grown up a lot, both you know really physically since then, and and I think this is the year we kind of see almost like a Kevin Gibbons like twenty sixteen. I don't know if Barber is a guy that you want to depend on snap in and snap out. You know the type that plays which I don't think Penn State's defensive tackles are going to see as many snaps as they did last year, but better rotation, and I think Barber's going to break into that rotation. I have a feeling that he has you know, four and a half, five sacks and, and leads defensive tackles with that. I like that. I'm uh, going to trust you. I didn't get to see him in practice or anything else, but I'd be okay with it. I don't, I don't know. I don't really have much to say on that one. All right, well, then we can go to number five, and I just want to point out before we get to our number five, this... If anything is hot takey, this one's going to be the most hot take one for me. I'm honestly kind of nervous to even, to even say it. So not not to not to overshadow your number five, but my number five is definitely bringing the heat. So what do you have for your number five, though? My fifth thing I know I know. I kind of hinted at earlier. I think Jake Pinnaker is going to be a really good kicker this year. I think he will both convert on more than 50% of his 50-plus yard field goals. Last year, he didn't hit any because he didn't attempt any his career longs of 49 and you know he showed that he has the leg against Iowa and the awful weather he was three for three 45 49 and 44 what else can you ask for from your kicker and I think he's going to have at least one game winning field goal when you say game winning does that mean like as zeros pop up on on the time or does that mean like with like Within, Penn last drive of the game Penn like State's the- We'll say Penn State's last drive of the game, because with my luck, he'll hit one with two seconds left, and we we won't count it. But I'm going to say within the last minute, two minutes, you know, just Penn State's last drive of the game, the pressure's going to be on. Penn State's going to be either tied or down by one or two, and he's going to make the kick. Any predictions on who that is against? Any thoughts? Oh, I have. I mean, I I haven't put that much thought into it. I'm going to say Michigan, and I'm going to say... I'm going to say that with 30 seconds left, he makes the go-ahead kick, and then as time expires, Quinn Nordine misses the game-tying kick. 
<laughs> By the way, I <laughs> would very much enjoy that about Quinn Nordine. Um, another side note, did you see the reports that Penn State, Michigan, I don't know if there's so much reports, it's just like people piecing things together, but did you see that Penn State, Michigan might be a noon kick? That would be interesting. There's only been because, one noon whiteout, so. And it was Michigan in what, 2015? 2015. And yeah. we, got, we played awfully and looked terrible and. Yeah, that was not fun. Apparently it's because, so Fox is trying to do like their, I don't know if you would call it a primetime game, but like their game of the week at noon because they're trying to, I guess they hired Urban Meyer to do like their version of college game day. So they're like really giving a go at trying to compete with ESPN's college game day, but having Urban Meyer, which I don't know like how many people truly like, I, don't, I honestly don't like dislike Urban Meyer, but it's not like, oh, Urban Meyer's on Fox. I'm going to watch that instead of College Game Day. But regardless, I guess Fox's mind is that if they put their big game of the week on at noon, that more people will be likely to tune in for their version of College Game Day, which... I don't hate that media strategy. I don't know that I would necessarily watch their pregame show, like you said. I mean, I love Lee Corso, and I love Kirk Herbstreet, and I need Rinaldi to make me cry every weekend, but... You know, I, I I get where they're coming from. I mean, I guess the thing, and even with, like, I, I don't know how you are with College Game Day, but I know for me, like, I'll wake up, and especially early early in the season, like, you wake up so you can hear, like, the, the theme music, and, like, you watch the first five minutes of Game Day, and then you, like, disregard it until the last ten minutes when they start doing picks. So, again, I don't know how many people are going to be turning on Fox at whatever time they start their College Game Day at 10 or 11 and watch it all the way through, but yeah, maybe they they turn on at eleven fifty so that they can see the the big noon kick. But would really screw Penn State. I would not be happy about that at all. Especially as somebody who, well, uh, are do you have plans to go to the Michigan game? As of right now, I do not. I don't think. I think this is going to be the first whiteout since the very first one that I've missed. Well, for those of us that are driving, it would be a real pain, and then you know what to have to drive out at noon because even last year for Penn State, Kent State, which was noon, traffic is, I was up there at like 8.30 and traffic was a mess. So I can only imagine what it's going to be for Penn State, Michigan. And yeah, maybe you have more people Ow. coming in that Friday night, but yeah, I was right. Me sitting in traffic, that's big time now. So. No, I, I, have, I have my foot under my blanket and now my cat is biting my foot and it hurt. Anyway, going back to, <laughs> to Jake Penninger, so converting 50% on 50-plus field goals, and he makes a game winner this year. I like that. I'm interested to see what happens with kickers, just because it seems like, which, yes, they say everything's an open competition, but I think kicker is definitely one of those that, that is more so open than anything else, just because Virginia's head transfer, uh, Jordan Stout, is going to be involved in that, and he has a big leg, as we can see with his, his kickoffs, so. I do think Pinnacle will win. I think he's a little bit more reliable. And if he can build off what was mostly a good season last year, I think as a freshman kicker, you couldn't ask for, for too much more. Maybe a little bit more consistency, but that kind of comes with the territory. So I like your faith in Jake Pinnacle, though. Yeah, I mean, he was 16 of 24 in his freshman year, and two of those were blocked. And was I believe 53 out of 55 extra points he hit. So... I mean, it, it, you can't ask for that much more. You watched him get better as the season went on. You watched him gain confidence, and I think he's going to be very reliable. Like, Sam Fekin, 2014-esque, reliable. 
I was maybe say, maybe not Mr. Automatic, but close. I was gonna say, as far as like Penn State fans and judging kickers, it's pretty hard. Well, actually, it's the opposite of hard for the kicker. It's it's nice for them because our grading scale is like what twenty twelve Sam Ficken, where. I don't, we don't have to talk about Virginia, but I will mention Virginia. So as long as you, we know what you're talking about. Yeah, as long as, as <laughs> if you're better than that, that's fine. I there's no point last year that I can think of like a backbreaking Jake Pinnaker miss field goal or anything like that. By the way, I just rewatched Penn. Like I was saying, I rewatched Penn State Appalachian State. Jake Pinnaker, true freshman, first college football game of his career, has to go kick a PAT with Penn State down by one with under a minute left. Made it though, so that's again that's very low benchmark for 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 kickers, and that's all we really ask for. So especially with a true freshman. Hey, true freshman first game pressure situation, money. I think that's gonna carry over to this year. That's my that's my fifth prediction. All right, well my fifth prediction. I'm nervous. I'm excited. <laughs> you you've talked about this for a couple days, so deep breath. My fifth, the fifth thing I know, I know about Penn State in 2019 is that by mid-December 2019, Joe Moorhead will be Penn State's head football coach. Whoa. Thoughts? That means that you either think James Franklin will be fired or you think that he will leave. And I'm going to assume that you think he's going to leave instead of be fired. Correct. I kind of going back to last year. You have a certain spot in mind, and I'm going to assume USC. You would be correct. I am incredibly nervous about USC. I thought that there was way too much smoke last year when all that came out, and I understand that much of that could have just been his agent leaking stuff and, and, and things like that, playing hardball with, with Penn State, but it just seemed like a... I don't know, it just seemed like too much for me. I just got a really, really bad feeling with it, and I felt like Penn State, in a sense, dodged a bullet when USC decided not to fire Clay Hilton despite going 5-7 and seven and missing a bowl game. Because if that would have opened up, I really, really think that he... I think he would have taken it, and this is tough for me to say. Again, I'm a Franklin guy. Last year after Ohio State, I literally wrote an article that said James Franklin will get this done. So pretty, pretty tough for me for him to, <laughs> if he were to leave, uh, what that'd be 14 months after I write that. Um, and this is truly one of those that I, I want James Franklin to be here a very long time. I just think USC is one of literally one of the very, very few jobs that he would jump for. Um. You I'm think this to Pennsylvania USC. boy would go out to California? I mean, as far as if there are a few places I could get people to leave their, their home state and, and somewhere where they consider home, which James Franklin has said in the past that he considers, you know, state college home and Penn State home, which I mean, I, any college coach is going to say that about their school they're at. But, you know, that there's credence to that with James Franklin being from PA. But I think if there's just flat out like any pl- like not even k- taking into account his job. If there's any place where somebody would leave for, Los Angeles is is a pretty nice city, pretty nice town from what I have here. A lot of people like living there. Um, and I just think, uh, just on on the college football scale, not to, I don't want to go into this too in depth. I'd rather focus on the Jamar head part. But USC just is it's 
by far the best job in the Pac-12, and James Franklin can recruit like gangbusters out there. And I, I don't know. I college football's the days of having guys stay at one school for ten years and longer, or you know, drying up more and more. I think like Kirk Ferentz is probably the longest tenured coach at this point. 1998 or 1999, he got at Iowa, I think. So, and it, it there's just oh, there's always what was that. We could parlay this into a trivia question that I know from watching Sports Center the other day. The the stump the pat trivia question. Okay. Can you can you name the top three longest tenured head coaches in the Power Five right now? So Kirk Ferentz is in there. Kirk Ferentz is number one. Dabo. Nope. Hold on. Is this Power Five or Power Five? One? Current Power Five. Power Five. Okay. Kirk current, Ferentz, for sure. Current Power Five, and I, yes. I, I, I emphasize that part. That might give you a little hint. Current Power Five. Mark D'Antonio? Nope. He's all, Michigan State's always been a Power Five. Hold on, what are you... Current Power Five. One of these coaches. Number two. Oh, Gary Patterson, TCU. There we go. Um, Kirk Ferentz, Gary Patterson, TCU, and... Saban? Nope. His birthday was Monday. He's a man. He's fifty-two now. Um, what I, conference? I, I, I can't get more obvious than he's a man. He's fifty-two. Oh, Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy. State. Yep. He's the third most tenured head coach. Gundy would have been tough. I don't think I would have got that one. Oh, I, neither would neither would I. He's only been I there 12, 12, 12, 15 years. I didn't even think about him. That was a good one. That was a good one. Um. Anyway, so enough about James Franklin USC, but I, as sad as I would be about that, I would be very, very happy that Joe Moorhead would come home to Penn State. That would be terrific for my brand. Well, not really, because I guess he doesn't recruit a fullback, but he is my dad, so I guess he's part of my brand. And I think he's, uh, I really, really hope that Joe Moorhead has like a 10 and 2 season or 9 and 3. I feel like 9 and 3 at Mississippi State is something to really, really be proud of. So if he can do that, uh, we'll see what Penn State does, but it, it that's the interesting part with the James Franklin USC thing, where like Penn State can't totally look bad this year. Like they need to look pretty. I mean, at the very least, they look pretty well for him to still have his his cachet of you know USC wanting him. But I would be as disappointed as I would be about James Franklin leaving. I would be very very excited about bringing back Mister Joe Moorhead. So and like I like I said this last year. As much, again, I want to make this clear. I do not want James Franklin to leave, but there is nothing like a college football coaching, head coaching search. It is the most incredible thing in the world. You just wake up at the crack of dawn. You see the rumors that are out there. It's And for Penn State, they've always been crazy. The, the one leading up to O'Brien was literally the, the most insane thing because there were people that thought, like, Nick Saban was coming to Penn State. And by people, I mean, you know, dummies on Twitter, but... Well, Urban Meyer had property in Bullsburg. Yes. And uh, <laughs> again, there's a lot of people that really, really believe. And I kind of, I, I don't want to go into the, again, I don't want to go into this too in depth. I do think there is some, there's some sort of validity to the Urban Meyer Penn State things. I just think there's also, I think he was playing both Penn State and Ohio State. And I think that he was always going to go to like i understand like oh he had so much respect for joe paterno and blah 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 blah. his wife's from ohio he was a ga at ohio state like the guy was going to go to ohio state or penn state but 
that's a, a conversation for another time. So yeah, my fifth thing I know I know about Penn State in 2019, and maybe I'm just trying to protect myself by preparing myself for this, but I think James Franklin, this will be his last season in Penn State. This is what, his sixth season? 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, his sixth season at Penn State. I think this will be his last. I think, I think he goes to USC, and I think that Joe Moorhead takes over. By the way, not to jump into our coaching search too early, but I do like Matt Campbell at Iowa State. And I like Dino, Dino Babers at Syracuse as well. Babers is a bit old. He's he's gonna be he would be fifty nine by the time he coaches a game at Penn State, which is you know, a bit old. I don't count that most people retire around the age of sixty five, but really like what Babers had done at, has done at Syracuse. And they're gonna have another really, really big year this year, I think. And you know, offensive line offensive mind, but also has has proven to have really, really good defenses. But I mean uh, there is there's my dad guy is number that... one, so there's one guy though that with a good season could be on some major schools coaching radar. He has Big Ten experience. Do you know what I'm thinking of? Head the, he has Big Ten head coaching experience or offensive coordinator experience? Defensive coordinator experience. Hold on, Brent Pry. It would be great to bring Pat Narduzzi back to the Big Ten. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Hey, he could keep his keychain. It, it's Pennsylvania shaped. So, all right. Well, do you want to run down your five again? Sure. The five things I know, I know, are that Penn State will go undefeated at home. Four Penn players will be on the All Big Ten first team. Sean Clifford will set the Penn State single game passing yards record. More than 454 yards. No Penn State wide receiver will have more than four drops this year. Four documented drops, like four drops are counted in the statistics. And Jake Pinnegar will hit more than 50% of his 50-yard-plus field goals, and he will hit at least one game-winning field goal. All right, and my five things I know I know about Penn State football in 2019 one, C.J. Tharp gets thrown out, or is the reason someone gets thrown out. Number two, Will Fries makes first-team All-Big Ten. Number three, Penn State's, Penn State's defense accounts for over 50 sacks. Number four, Damian Barber leads all defensive tackles on Penn State in sacks. And then number five, Joe Moorhead will be Penn State's head coach by mid-December 2019. So those are your five. Those are my five. Hopefully you can start, you can join my tradition of going 0-5, and, and I can stay Oh, and five as well. Uh, I think that's all. Do you have anything else for this week? I think that's, that's all. Now, would you rather go oh and ten as a podcast, and that, that means that somebody has more than four drops, or would yeah. you rather go ten and oh, and that means the Penn State loses James Franklin? <laughs> I mean, if we go ten and oh, that means that nine out of the ten things are overwhelm overwhelmingly positive. So and then uh, you could make an argument that. Well, it, it is a negative losing your head coach no matter what, but yeah. having, getting Joe Moorhead back would be fun. Yeah, I'd probably go 10 and now. I don't know. That's fair enough. That's tough. But I, I just love Joe, though, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see, though. Uh, you don't have anything else this week, though, do you? Nope, that's all I got. All right, well, we are, what, next week will be the last week before we are into a game week, so... I don't know what we're going to do next week as far as the podcast. We'll have to figure out some type of topics to talk about. 
but then the week of the August 28th is probably when we'll drop the podcast will be our season preview and a bit of an Idaho preview, although we're going to be honest with you. Don't really know that much about Idaho and I don't plan on doing all that much research on Idaho either. Uh, but until then, make sure that you are checking out the website, blackshoediaries.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BSD tweet, and please give this podcast, black shoes, basic podcast, a five-star rating. Um, Whichever app platform you listen on, preferably iTunes, because that's, I think, the major one. But we take five-star ratings at any and all uh, at any and all platforms, so make sure you do that. As always, it begins with I love you and ends with I love you. And I love you guys. <laughs>